Welcome to The Disruptors, the podcast about the future of all of us, where we look at the technologies, trends, and societal norms shaping our collective future. Here, the world's top minds share their insights and predictions on the convergence, direction, and ethics of exponential technologies transforming life as we know it. You can learn more and stay up to date at disruptors.fm. Murmani Press presents Neanderthal King by Matt Ward. More information on the author at mattwardwrites.com. You can purchase Neanderthal King in its entirety or download the entire audio masterpiece free with a free trial of Audible at neanderthalking.com. Want to follow along with Merrillick's adventure? For a limited time, Grab your free illustrated map of Tarkal and the Six Kingdoms of Septum by visiting mattwardwrites.com slash map. Again, that's M-A-T-T-W-A-R-D-W-R-I-T-E-S dot com slash M-A-P. But now, let's get on with the adventure. A thud as the door shuttered and a bolt shuttered behind him. Locked in. No escape. After an awkward silence of uncertainty, O'Danick said, What's your story? Thought about saying nothing, but heck, we had time. Why not? I took a seat alongside my fellow captives and told them everything. When I finished, she sighed. Sounds about right. Same here, but married too. Thank the gods we weren't blessed with children. Tajek still hadn't said anything. Didn't seem about to. So I nodded his way. What about you? He shrugged, mountainous shoulders, Smith's shoulders. Must have run a smithy back home. There's nothing left for me, he sighed. They killed my clan but spared me. Said I was the only one worth lugging to market. A pain still fell over us until Odanic broke the emptiness. What? You know about this, William fellow? Seemed a good master, but... I know what you mean. I gave a quick accounting of what he'd told me, which caused Tajek to stand and start pacing. Ships? Water? He fidgeted with his trousers. Could a mighty man be so feared of water? Seemed impossible. What a whinny shite. But we'd be sleeping together in the same room, and he could throttle me in my sleep. So I said nothing as he stumbled into his odd tale. Tajek was the youngest of eight, the runt, and the brunt of constant treachery and beating. He'd outgrown that, whipping his clan in recent passings before the bloody saps came. But I'll never forget what that bastard... Machaic did. Left me in that well for two days. His fists clenched as he shivered and looked away. Sounded funny, to be honest. A right good jest. But I kept my mouth shut. Odanic was just getting into her people's telling of the fiery split when there was a knock at the door. Supper. The barrier opened and William appeared. Food. A roaring chorus from my belly as we clattered downstairs, 
a wave of relief as we stepped off that rickety last step onto the busy tavern first floor. Dancing shadows on the faces of the seedy patrons as William led us past the wench to a door to the left where a jelly roll of a sap woman hunched over a long table greeted us. Grab a bowl, a spoon and a slice. We did and she ladled thick chunks into our bowls. Half-starved, I poured boiling broth into my mouth. Incredible. O'Danick did the same, as I gulped greedily at the steaming pottage, and William grabbed a chunk of two-day rye and dipped the rock in his stew. Tajek stole two extra slices, while the cook droned on about her pregnant sister. Didn't notice a thing, so O'Danick and I pocketed cheese as well. William's eyes twinkled, but he said nothing. Soon we were in the dining hall, deep in conversation. Bowls long empty, minds to ourselves, when a pair of sap roughs sat next to William and started politicking. From the south somewhere. They'd come with the dark king's army to tame the tall of the Tharkal. The last raid had been good to them. The tri-tankered slurry every eighth word, hard eyes and tiny foreheads looking serious as can be, like most saps. Where your folk headed? The accented one asked in a voice like he'd swallowed bear shite. Adawa, William said, by way of boot. You fellows? The scrawny whip nodded a glare. Isaacs are going northeast to avenge his dead mother. Unify, Tarkle. Supposed to be good looting up yonder. We could use a couple of brutes like this lot. He gestured at us and spilled more of his ale. I'm sure you could, William said with a smile. But business calls. Boats don't guard themselves with these damned African pirates and Vicolanders. Scoundrels think they own the seas. A touch of fire flashed William's face. The drunk shrugged and whistled to the bar winch for more ale. We left before things got too wild. Another group of saps in the corner had tossed us more than a few dirty looks. We slept that night in our room, and William in his, because, as he said, I'm not so daft as to sleep with you lot unchained. Fast asleep when my stomach spasmed. Moments later, standing, panting. What the? Abdomen clenching, bum tightening. I was going to be sick. Sloshing evil in my bowels as I shuffled to the clay chamber pot. An animal groan made someone stir, didn't care. Bloody karma. My stomach wheeled. I yanked the belt from my trousers and bent as my innards blew. Reeking filth hammered my nose. Disgusting a horrible kind of awful that felt so much better. Tajek rolled over, seized his stomach. I ain't feel so... He sprang and shoved me off the heaping mess. It was a gruesome night. Why'd I try the God's damned bread? By morn, we were earthing tired, but ready to leave. William unlatched our door mighty early, but I hadn't heard a cock crow. Let's let's get on with... <clears throat> he choked back a cough. 
What's that bloody arsing smell? We hurried out of the shite-ruined room and carried his leather sacks downstairs to a free table while William had a word with the owner. After a quick breakfast, loaf for William and watered-down ale for us, we set off. The streets were quieter than usual, many a stallkeeper setting up shops, haggling and friendly insults, little else. It was nice, relaxing, but got worse as port came into sight. Stank of the day's catch. Tajek stopped dead when he saw the lapping waves, and O'Danick laughed. We came to a square off the port's right side, where a small crowd of saps had gathered. And some of these folks truly were small, barely to shoulders. William strode to a tanned bear of a man with shaggy black curls, a rough tunic, and hard green eyes, and offered a hand. Must be the van leader. A few words and William turned to us. We'll be riding with this lot as far as Boot. Then Boren will bring us to Adawa. It's a long trip. A new lot will earn your keep. Joseph will give orders. I'll be back of the caravan with the landed lot. They'll need help loading whinnies and carting and such. He left for a group so gilded, three of the men rivaled any woman with child I've seen. Bellies stretching fine silk. Revolting. Joseph waved us over, introduced himself and outlined the plan. Tajek and I would load crates while O'Danick watched over sap ladies. Her fiery eyes blazed, but she said nothing as Tajek and I joined a procession of men heaving salted fish, barrels of ale, and all kinds of pelts onto the waiting carts and wagons. A skinny git of a man threw a large crate at me without warning. I caught it and placed it on the nearest cart. An elevated lip on the edge locked it in place. It was brilliant. Tajek, look at this. Saps laughed as I pointed out the crafty trick. The big man shrugged and went back to hoisting crates as I admired the handiwork. Made such sense. Why hadn't I ever thought of that? The saps chuckled as I pushed the thought aside as I grabbed another box. Soon everything was ready. Our bloated caravan of fifty-some-odd traders, slaves and stragglers left before the sun's midday peak and made good time. We were out of the city before our shadows outpaced us, Tajek and I pulling heavy carts along jouncing roads, still much better than the ones back home. Home. Why was I thinking of home? A strange, eerie reverence. But why? It was gone forever. No longer relevant. An unfortunate slip-up on a stone broke my reverie. Watch where you're going. Joseph barked as I hurried to right myself. We stopped to change Carter several hours later. They had us tall carry the brunt of the load, saved the short, easy roads for themselves, lazy slaggards, but it was fine by me. A tall was a true man, rose to any challenge, not like these pissant saps, near as bad as their flowery womenfolk. Knack was glorious, one of the scouts found a wild apple tree, and we gorged on sweet reds. Aft, we loaded all we could carry. The trip would take three fortnights, 
and we'd have to trade as we went to avoid hunger, especially considering the blobs riding in the back. As the sun fell, William rode alongside Tajek and I, again pulling carts. How goes it? We told him and he nodded. Good. We'll make camp soon, after the next hill if I'm not mistaken. You lads need anything? We both shook our heads. My throat was parched, but I was too proud to ask for a drink. None of the sap owners had come to check on them, let alone offered anything. I wasn't weaker than a sap slave, never in a hundred passings. Tajek probably felt the same. The funny redhead sap to our left shot us a curious glance, but said nothing until we stopped several hours later. Walking over, his pale eyes narrowing, Name's John. Pleasure to be meeting you. Was that your master earlier? Yeah, I said. William Wolfe. You? He gestured towards one of the covered carriages. Hans Coker. As if I'd had the faintest idea who that was. When neither of us reacted, he said, He's just the most prolific cook this side of the Netherlands. King's personal cook he was, but his wife passed. We're heading to Waftak for the proceedings. He sighed. Wife was the nicer of the two, by a good heave. Not sure what'll happen now, but I'm glad we shan't be near the battlefront a day more. Bloody violent it was. Thanks, Gur. Hans wouldn't let us fight. King's men tried, mind you, but Coke had spent too many beads to part with us so easily. Thank Gur. Gur? Tajik said, as if reading my mind. John laughed. Forgot you're kind of barbarians. He went on to describe the lion-headed sap deity, whatever a lion was, with a golden mane. Whatever was special about that. I knew plenty of blondes. Maybe that was different where he came from. It was dark in the alley as we gathered around a series of crackling fires inside the cart's perimeter. Several ruffian soldiers stood guard, relentless eyes not pausing for a second. They didn't trust us, and I'd heard whispers of bandits. Curved swords and vicious crossbows. They patrolled the camp with milking regularity, coming and going with haunting still. A murderous glare every time they passed. Unarmed, we said nothing. But we could take them. John saw my eyes flick to the guard's blade. Careful. We've been with the van since Dumac, and they're no chumps. Bandits tried their dice, and Scarface over there dropped two with the bow before they'd gone ten paces. He gestured to a hulking soldier that made even Tajik appear puny. And Mammoth got another three before they turned tail and ran like women folk, he said, with a smirk before talk turned to cat houses and women, cooking the pointlessness of jewellery, and the shocker that even well-off sap women, with their rosy humid perfumes and silk, still shat. I liked him at once. An elder man with slim grey hair and a swooping hat rose by the fire nearest ours. Shh, John hissed. That's honest Abe. The crowd quieted as the scraggly man scratched his chin. 
Are you ready for a story? No one said anything, and he shook his fist. I said, are you ready for a story? Half the saps roared. The others clapped. Come on, Abe. Out with it. Once, long ago at the beginning of the world, he began in a hushed voice, in a time of gods and power, across the vast north, magical beasts reigned. Orin, Jora, Raiko, hundreds of wild spirits. They made the harsh north and the northern people, the tall. To the south, a land forged in sweat, turmoil and war, rose the semi-deities, Tigris, Gur, Pygmia, two-legged embodiments of nature. They created sapiens. Abe smacked his hand in a crack of thunder. Then the fall. A loud bellow. Cold-blooded murder betrayal. Failed alliances. Bloody executions. The icy purge of the last frozen age. He told the history of the world. All that had been and would be. It was near enough to kill a man, the tension so great. A thrilling noose. At last, the booming tale of Isaac's conquest. The crowds cheered louder still, and even I, whose people had been decimated, pounded my chest. Honour and glory, a great story. This had been a telling fit for a Doror or a king, as the world faded back to normalcy. A hungry longing in my loins. If only I could make such a lasting remark. I'm super excited about today's show sponsor, Canva, because this is one that I use personally and we use here for the team. Canva is the best online platform for designing anything. Literally, it makes design so simple, even for somebody like me. They've got templates, they've got images, they've got everything that you need. I did business cards on there. I've done YouTube thumbnails on there. I've had team things made on there. I even made a poster for my sister, all using Canva. Makes it incredibly simple and easy. No wonder 35 million people are using it. If you want to check out Canva now and design like a pro, go to canva.me slash ride. That's C-A-N-V-A dot M-E slash ride. With that link, you guys will get a 45-day extended trial for Canva Pro. I highly recommend doing this. If you want to make something that looks awesome, check them out. Canva.me slash ride. All lowercase if you want to start designing like a pro today. And like me, you might not be the best of designers. Check them out. Canva.me slash ride for your 45-day free trial. Today's episode is brought to you by WellAware. Master the nine cybersecurity habits to protect your future. Right now, that's a huge deal. I literally just had my website hacked. And while American unemployment is unprecedented, there's a huge job shortage, 3.5 million cybersecurity roles needed by 2021. There's so many people outside of the skills gap, and we need to supplement this. Critical, critical support because cybersecurity is the battleground of the future. And it's a huge opportunity for individuals, employees, technology companies, human resource listeners, because everyone needs to take this seriously, especially as the fines start to build up and we really start to take the backbone of our infrastructure more seriously. Anyone looking to make a career shift or enhance their resume can start now with some non-technical cybersecurity habits to create a competitive edge. 
a new tool by George Finney, the Chief Information Security Officer at the Southern Methodist University. He's a notable expert on cybersecurity, helping individuals and businesses navigate various technologies in this ever-changing world. If you're interested in upping your cybersecurity skills and learning maybe a thing or two you can use on the job, possibly change your career in the process, order your copy of Well Aware, Master the Nine Cybersecurity Habits to Protect Your Future at all major retailers like Amazon or anywhere books are sold. Or you can visit wellawaresecurity.com to learn more. And now let's get back to the episode. Chapter 3. Crooked Teeth and Crooked Morals The next days passed without incident, except a bout of shitey food poisoning, and by the third we reached Wojak. The town was unremarkable save for man-sized sharp stakes surrounding the once tall town, and a handful of corpses dancing the gallowed jilt in the breeze under the arched gateway. Inside was odd, though. Tall and sap children ran together as equals, and a powdered sap lass bartered with a sturdy tall tinker over the price of a bauble. The haggling continued as we passed, and elsewhere more strangeness, and still not a slave in sight, not even a chained clanging. Artistry blanketed the walls of the grid-like city, many a building adorned with rich blues and greens, landscapes, clan crests, almost too colourful, like the artsy tailor, where we stayed, facade covered with tall battle scenes, and whose owner, a bull of a man with crooked eyes, crooked teeth, and crooked morals, kept tall and sap whores for his many drunken patrons. Two brawls in as many hours, even the owner cheered when the tall shattered the sap's hardy jaw. Beads changed hands on the wall. Numbers, odds, illegal of course, but the boarders loved it. Everyone except William. He strode to the barman, but came away fuming, grumbling to himself. So, not all saps were under his spell. You'd think the king would crack down, William said. Come on, let's be off before... A massive body crashed into our table and knocked the legs from William's stool. O'Danick and I leapt to our feet as two mason-faced brawlers advanced, another pair eyeing us with blistering hate. William opened his mouth to protest as the giant swung a busted glass... I deflected the blow and broke his wrist, while O'Danick tackled the second. A rowdy cheer as an onlooker smashed a bar stool over my finely healed back. Tall scum, he spat as I buckled over in agonizing pain. Stealing jobs from honest boys. Here, here, the fat bastard slammed his fist into my man eggs. Fell to the ground, trembling. Pure rage rippled as I dropped him with a hard knee and cracked his honourless head on the floor. Twice. Prick. William and the others were at the door. Merrilek, now! We left as more tried tankards headed towards us. So much for all the fun. I rubbed my eggs and stumbled after them. After two blocks, William turned, shaking, steadied himself on Tanner's rail. Thank you. Breathing hard, voice weak. No one said anything. 
We were his slaves. Nothing needed to be said. We headed to the caravan to rejoin our fellow travellers. The next day blurred until halfway to Joran. It was midday, and we were making good time despite the rain until John slipped. His axle cracked and can't tipped, timber spilling everywhere. I dropped my load and pulled the lad from the rolling death trap with seconds to spare. Joseph appeared, as did Coker, and stormed towards us. Our van didn't have a single carpenter or woodworker, and John's whimpering eyes knew it. Coker smacked him hard. My fist tightened, but I said nothing. What have you done? Coker yelled. My cart! Fifty beads! More than your miserly life! He raised a fist. Wait! Tajek bent to examine the damaged wheel. I can fix this. You can? The trader's greedy eyes narrowed. How? Tajek nodded, outlining the materials he'd need. John, eager to help and avoid a lashing, ran off while Tajek removed the wheels and axle, resting the cart on soaking earth. His calloused hands ran along the cracked oak rod. Hmm. He sent O'Danick to collect pine sap and told another lad to start a small fire before selecting a few sturdy timber supports. Cutting a length of rope with Coker's jeweled dagger, he bound the bundle. O'Danick returned and Tajek crushed cooling charcoals, mixing them with the sap in a small tin. Soon it bubbled over. He jabbed a stick into the sticky black tar. What are you? Coker began, but Tajek ignored him, rubbing the goo along the edges of the shattered axle. Once satisfied, he scraped away extra globs with the dagger and tightened the rope. Give it an hour, Tajek said. It'll hold until we reach a city, maybe two days' ride. Coker winced and took Tajek's chin. He forced his eyes into the man's soul. Where'd you learn this trickery, Tall? You're no carpenter. My family were builders. Tajek lied. Taught me everything. They weren't, of course, but neither sap knew that. The shifty deception seemed to work, too, as both men soon disappeared. At least he avoided a flogging. Neat trick, I said once they were out of earshot. My creator taught me, he said. Never tried it myself, but... That took some man-eggs, as did such a bold-faced lie. But it had worked. Interesting. After an early knack, we continued on. Tajek and I stuck with the heaviest loads, and Tajek's rations were even less than usual. Joseph was a cheap bastard. A carpenter's repair would have run a half-dozen beads. No one said the world was fair. After a fortnight, the beautiful Dirac Sea, flushing greens, blues and browns, even the fancy sap artisans and weavers couldn't match. John proclaimed every day another gift from Naturius, sap father of all things natural. His mother, creator actually, was into all that, counting petals, mushroom visions, branch burnings, even smoked his scrotum as a babe to guard against dark spirits. 
said he had the scars to prove it. No one asked. The next town, Rakaz, was different. Something was off. Couldn't say what. My eyes kept returning to circular stone walls, gate adorned in Isaac's flowing crest. Odanic did likewise. Red-clad sap bowmen covered the walls, eyes twitching for a kill. They pointed their arrows at us tall. Arrows knocked, and everything. I glared back, daring them to come down. We made camp outside the town's walls, and a pair of Isaac's jowled sentries rode to meet us. Furtive glances before quick words with several of the van's leaders. They left after surveying our camp once more. My stomach sloshed like raw vegetables and half-bad meat. Something was amiss. But maybe that was the ale. Chapter 4 Cracking Footsteps That night, Freeman went in search of strumpets. The road had been long, and Rakus was famed for its whoring and creamy cheeses. Most couldn't afford nutty guadiota, but a romp and night of dark ale suited the purse. Several guards went as well, insisting we were near enough to town to avoid raiders. Odanik, Tajek and I stayed up late, well after saps sought their pansied beds. We'd slung around a handful of nothingness when Odanik lowered her voice. What would you lads say if we made a run for it? Was she nuts? And risk a bolt to the back? I shook my head. No thanks. Bravery went so far. I'll not die like a hog. Odanik sighed. Tell me about hogs. Lifting these porker women onto their steeds. These ladies bought enough to clothe the village. If I hear about Isaac's marriage prospects or the latest El Guro's fashions once more. Shh! Someone hissed in the darkness beyond. My ears perked, and as one we spun. But there was nothing. Silence. A second later, another voice. Bringing those goddamn tall here. After all we've been through. Shh! A woody voice cut in. You'll wake him. I need the beads. My wife's with child again. Breath stilled as I balled my hands into fists bent into a crouch. Which wagon? A third rasped. We'll rob them blind, kill the brutes, and make it look like the ninnies fought over the bounty. A heated argument before the group continued towards our dying embers. My heart raced as we stepped into shadows. Not fear, but anticipation. Hope. Vogarek always said, a true tall is never scared. This couldn't be fear. Ching! My pulse quickened. Shite! Crackling footsteps. They were close. There! One cried, eyes reflecting the fires of karma. He charged, as did his fellow brigands. Swords rose and I went left, Odanic right, and Tajek held his ground as a vicious rumbling echoed from his powerful chest. In the distance a dog snarled. Another growled, and I froze as angry panting spread, beasts racing towards us. Heart hammering, as I took a step back, why did it have to be hounds? And still the camp was quiet, an eerie ode to impending violence. 
and then clanging steel shattered the night. A sentry yelled. The camp erupted as the braided thug swung his short sword. Wind bristled my leg, but he scarce nicked me. He was no match save for his sword, but he used it well. I leapt up, backpedalling as he advanced. The dogs were on us, and the robber turned to flee. Creature sprang, teeth bared. From elsewhere, screams, and more smashing steel. The guard must have found them. The man fled, chicken-footed, whinny shitted whore. I made to chase, but my legs spasmed, bleeding like a maiden from a gash along my calf. I staggered to the others. O'Danick had disabled her attacker. A rock filled the gaping hole in his face. She grinned beautiful fury and pounded her chest. She'd sleep well this night. At the next wagon, Tajek knelt over a fallen sap, put his hand on the man's bleeding shoulder. Why? he asked. The man's eyes narrowed, and his mouth formed a spitting O. The snap of bowstrings from behind, a fallen slump as the bolt hammered his torso. Tajek looked up at the shadowy assailant, started to stand, mouth widening as the sentry's face appeared, crossbow leveled. He was all ready. The guard fired again. Tajek crashed to his knees. Another shot as the scoundrel emptied the fancy quiver into my friend. Collapsed in a ball of bloodied metal. The soldier spat on Tajek's lifeless body. As uncertainty raged within me, he was too far to charge. Fear and rage held me motionless, heart-shaking fury. Once he left, I rushed over. He wouldn't get away with this, but it was too late. Tajek never stood a chance. I'd been a winnie shite. I could have, ought to have. Merrilek, Tajek, where are you? It was Odanik. She emerged and surveyed the situation. I told her and her eyes darkened. Neither of us said anything. There was nothing to say. We must earth him, I said at last. She nodded. I'd ask Joseph about shovels in the morn. Fitful sleep with dreams of failure. Strange how it mirrored my storming inner world. I awoke in the dead of night. To add to its toll. Crept from the fire toward the outskirts of the camp and found a good-sized stone. Waited. The sentry didn't take long to make his rounds, milking regularity. I slammed my hand over his mouth and battered the back of his skull with the rock, again and again until his brain gunk spilled out for the crows and carrion. He'd rot in fucking karma, or whatever damnation his people honoured. Served him right. Back to bed, and able to sleep at last. All was right once more, and I sought out William the moment I stirred. He was red-faced and bleary-eyed, had been out with the lads for a right hearty time. I told him everything, somewhat. Didn't need to know about the guard. After pleading the importance to Joseph, Ferrand Mercer lent us shovels. I dug while Odanik carved the born knuckles from two nights prior. By early morn we were ready. No one seemed to give a shite about the murdered mercenary. Justice. The earthing was a rush ceremony, overlooking one of the sap's hideous vegetable fields. 
Corn and cabbage and beans, shite no tall would touch. Would that we could earth him elsewhere, but didn't have the time. No one offered words. I didn't know Tajek well, but had to speak. Who else would? He was a good man, a fighter and a friend. Wasn't sure what else to add. Seemed fitting. Good enough. He'd get his slumber. Soon on the road again. Foodstuffs restored. The brigand's word kept returning to haunt me. Rob em blind. Pin it on the tall. No honour, no worth. It was brilliant too, though. Doubted Joseph or William would have seen through the treachery. I wouldn't have. The next kingdom, Galon, was on the coast. King James had chosen well, or played his dice right, or however these saps chose their land. Couldn't be ancestry, not a single female king. Or maybe they just had sons. Another sciencing feat? We stopped a half-day in Hohaj, the wildest thing. A floating city, boats like zigzagging fish, every manner of food and spice and fabric, all the best quality. I'd have pocketed a few bacon slabs if honour hadn't stilled my hand. Lucky, too, a young boy was caught, quarter hour later, stealing minced squirrel pie. The doughy baker with calves to make a maiden swoon motioned to the butcher. Eh, Robin! The ruddy butcher looked up, dropped the beef he'd been trimming, and grabbed a hefty cleaver. He carried it over and held the screaming boy's arm down. A passing noble nodded his powdered approval, and the baker swung with a terminal thud. A gripping shriek as the boy collapsed to the dusty earth. The baker yanked the lad to his feet, and the butcher hurried to the smithy. A white-hot sear crisped the bloodied stump. As passers-by continued on their way, so did we. We'd seen it all before. You have been listening to Neanderthal King by Matt Ward. For more information on purchasing the complete epic fantasy adventure, or to download the entire audio masterpiece free with a free trial of Audible, visit neanderthalking.com. Be the change you want to see in the world. That's something I strive towards and fail towards every single day. If you enjoy this podcast, if you think the world could benefit from conversations like this, the greatest compliment you can give us is referring to the disruptors to a friend or talking about us on social media. Please take 30 seconds to do so. It would mean the world to us. And if we're lucky, help us build towards a better world. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for helping us spread the message and have a great day. If you want more of the Disruptors, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or go to disruptors.fm, where you'll find tons of audio and video interview stories with leaders in the fields of genetics, cryptocurrency, longevity, AI, space, VR, and much, much more. You can also follow me on Twitter at MattWardIO. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a quick review on iTunes at disruptors.fm iTunes to help more people discover the podcast and help us make a bigger impact. 